You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. My next guest gave me my first break on radio. It was a one o'clock lunchtime news bulletin in 2002, I think it was, at Radio 702, as it was called then. So it's entirely appropriate that she's with me now for the launch of my podcast initiative with ShareNet. It's Katie Katapodis. Katie, welcome. You were a very young news editor at 702 when you gave me that break. You know not what you did. <laughs> Lindsay, thanks for having me. No, I definitely know not what I did. Um, you know, sometimes you've just got to jump in there and make a decision. And retrospect does show you eventually whether you were right or you were wrong. And I'm pleased to say it was the right decision. It wasn't the right decision in the short term. Do you, do you remember the, the, the fallout from that bulletin? Do you remember what happened? Is this the bulletin with the, the then governor of Reserve Bank, Tito Mboweni? Is that the one you're talking The about? very same. You said, listen, ah! the, you said the rand is blowing out, Lindsay. Can you please come on to the one o'clock news and tell us what's going on? So I phoned up the Reserve Bank's um, governor's office and I spoke to his, his PA, his assistant, and she said to me, oh, he's, no, he's gone home, he's not feeling very well. So I thought I'd weave in, it was my first ever bulletin, I thought I'd weave this into the bulletin. I said, the Rand is under pressure at the moment. The governor can't speak to us because he's ill. Let's hope he hasn't got what the Rand's got because it could be terminal. And then I, that was the end of it. And I gave the normal prices and why it was going down and all that rubbish. And then suddenly, an hour later, there's a call from reception saying there's someone here to see you, Lindsay. And their voice was very grave. And he came up in the lifts. I think we were on the fifth floor in those days, Katie, at 702. And there he was with a driver and a bodyguard. And he walked, stormed into the office and said, you know what you've just done? You have made the rand fall another 20 cents and you've cut short my fishing trip to Dalston. I just wanted to go fly fishing just to get away from it all just for a couple of hours. And he spent the whole afternoon with us. But it was quite an initiation I had then. Well, I must say, Lindsay, I think about and talk about that story so often. Um, in fact, I use it in my media trainings half the time. What not to do when you go on air, what not to do when you go on radio. And I remember that very, very clearly. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, he stormed in and he was very cross. But by the time Tito Mboweni actually left my office, he was far more jovial, actually, and was starting to even reconsider if we should indeed go fishing. And I, re- I remember him telling us that he'd said to his personal assistant, I'm going fishing, but don't tell anybody I'm going fishing. Yes. I don't think he imagined that she would be telling a journalist that he's ill and left the office early. Yes, of course, I shouldn't have said anything, but that was because I didn't get trained by you, Katie. You just threw me no, in No, you there. were useless. You threw- no, no, no. Lindsay, you were... You were useless, actually. That that was a useless first bulletin. We yeah. all learned our lesson after that. Yes, but I mean, where are the royalties now? Because you're using it every every day and making money out of it through your media no, training. I, so I'm sure we can come to some arrangement. Katie, you're no longer at 702 anymore. <laughs> where are you? No. What are you doing? I'm no longer at 702 at Prime Media or at EWN. After 21 and a half years or so, I decided that the time was right and I needed to explore other options and do different things. And, and look at what else one could do in the world of media that wasn't just prime media and radio related. Right. So I've started a media company called Nala Media, and I'm having lots of fun because together with two friends who are now business partners, we are just having an absolute ball with Nala Media. We're doing a lot of media consultancy. We are doing a lot of strategy work. We're doing a lot of comms work. And in fact, we're involved in a very lovely new project. A brand new TV station is about to launch, or I shouldn't say about to launch, yes. but will launch 
soonish in South Africa. Yeah. And we're doing such interesting work with them. And it's so wonderful to be a part of, yeah, just training interesting young news brains. I'm loving it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's one of the questions I was going to ask. What is the state of the South African media industry? There's the dinosaurs, and we no need to be nasty about the SABC, but I, I think that even they would agree that they haven't dragged themselves into the modern media world. And yet you've got people like you, vastly experienced, going into new ventures and training young people, because that's, that's what we need. I mean, it's all very well having Lindsay Williams... Uh, churning out the same old stuff all, all the time. But you need fresh ideas and you need fresh people. So the state of the South African media landscape is an interesting one, Lindsay. And it's one that I simultaneously despair about and then celebrate. And it might sound a bit schizophrenic, but I'll explain exactly what I mean. So I despair in part at the South African media landscape and industry because we don't often cover ourselves in glory. And wearing my Sanif hat... I sit as a deputy chairperson of SANIF, the SA National Editors Forum. Yes. And I see often what goes wrong and how it goes wrong. And I think to myself, oh, my God, how did, how did that happen? Because these are basic, basic skills that we shouldn't have got wrong. And, and I worry when I see one apology after the next being made by the media, although at the same time it's good that we're acknowledging and apologizing. So that's on the one hand. And then I despair because I think, oh, who's going to do something new? And who's going to do something innovative and interesting? And when are we going to stop being so formulaic in our storytelling and in our news? And I definitely think there's space for that. On the other hand, I'm enormously excited because I am really keen to see what what young journalists are interested in doing, what what new media houses like this TV station are likely to do, um, and what other innovations there are there are in our industry. Um, just by way of example, I was listening to something so fascinating before before you and I started chatting, and I thought, wow, now that is something really innovative. So Africa Check is a um, small group based in South Africa, but they do work um, across the country and, and on the continent as well. And they started this amazing new service where you can fact check all this bullshit that you receive on WhatsApp. Right. You know, all these fake messages, yes. uh, these alarmist pictures. You can send it to them. They'll fact check it for you. They'll add you on their broadcast list. And then I think it's once a month, they, they send out a bulletin. I think they call it What's Crap WhatsApp. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's stunning. Isn't that stunning? Very good, yes. <laughs> yeah. So they send out this bulletin and they tell you what was crap and what was not. And that for me is exciting because I think, aha. So now the sparks in my head are going off. I think someone's doing something fascinating and, 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 and interesting in our industry. Well, that's very so interesting indeed. So it's a, it's a bespoke service, which is different to the Washington Post, which I subscribe to, where they have a fact check. And it, it came, I think it, it was obviously pr- um, prompted by Mr. Trump and his outrageous pronouncements that we hear every single day. And there's a couple more coming out in, in the last couple of hours, which I know will infuriate you because you are not, you're not a Trump fan. We'll come to that uh, later on. So this is a bespoke service. So if, for example, um, I send out a tweet that offended somebody or they, they, they were dubious about the efficacy of it, they could send that tweet to what's the company called Africa Check. That's it, Africa Check. Mm, that is a really... Mm, and it's not so much a tweet, but more, more a WhatsApp. And it's the kind of news that is spread on WhatsApp. So, oh, I see. Okay. So, so, so that's what has interested me because they've looked at a, a whole new platform, actually. 
It's a great initiative. What about the way people consume media these days? It used to be get in your car, turn on one or two or possibly three choices of radio stations, and that would be the end of it. Then you'd come home and watch the seven o'clock news and you'd go to bed. But now, of course, it's on demand. And that's really why I went into podcasting. South Africa is way behind countries like the United States of America. And the United States of America is behind South Korea. They're the top two consumers of podcasts. But I do think that that is this is one of the areas which is going to grow and grow and grow. Yes, I do think we need more podcasts. I think we certainly need something more interesting. People's habits have changed. Speaking as a news, diehard news and current affairs and talk show person myself, I'm listening more and more to podcasts and, and to audio books. And I've just finished listening to a, a book on Audible now. And that has actually been what I consume when I'm in the car at the moment. Yes. Oh, that's very encouraging. So, that's changed, that's changed my traditional habits. I can't lie. There is always a news station on in the background at home mm. um, or at the office. But the reality is you're so right, Lindsay. It's very much on demand when I want to see it, when I've got the time to see it. Who's going to wait for the 7 o'clock bulletin in the evening? Exactly. You know, no one's going to do that. Yes, it's an archaic um, institution. It still has a place, of course, but it should be used in conjunction with other mediums or media. <clears throat> Excuse me. Agreed. K- Katie, you, are, you, are, you still, are you still collating information there? Are, are, are you still intending to be a commentator on current affairs and politics, or are you merely a consultancy? When I say merely, just a consultancy is what I meant to say. So I think once you're a journalist and journalism is in your blood, you can't merely step over to the other side and not do anything on the actual content producing side. So no, uh, I definitely do not intend to stay only a consultant and, and being very much a part of the news cycle, the podcasting world, the world of content is very much uh, part, of, part of my plan. Good. Well, if you want to do a podcasting in an easy way via my platform once a week or something, let me know. We can talk about that again. What if, when you spun off from, uh, didn't spin off from 702, when you left 702 and set up your media company, I seem to get the impression that the first impression of other commentators was that this was an all-women affair. Is that the case? Yes, that certainly is the case. Um, it is an all-women affair, and We love to work with inspiring and wonderful women, and we've come across inspiring and wonderful and, oh, so clever, such clever women. Um, So, yes, we are not limited to that, of course, but uh, we're very much pro-women, unapologetically so. In fact, we call ourselves um, the inconvenient women at times. You know, it's one thing now to be sitting around boardroom tables and, and I don't know, I think many eyes have popped open, you know, with some of the uh, things we we do and say, and I think people think, gosh, they've got chutzpah, so to speak. Yes. Um, just on that, on that note about female representation in the media industry and industry in general, but focusing on media. 702 was ahead of its time, I thought. If you look at the sales manager, it was Colleen Becker, station manager when we were there at first, Rena Brunberg, and then succeeded by Terry Falkvane. Then on the news desk, there was Francis Hurd and Faith Daniels and Nikiwe Bekicha. And I think 16 of the 20 sales staff were women as well. So I think 702 was very aware of female representation all those years ago. You're absolutely right. And of right, course, Katie Katapodis as news editor. Yeah, It's something to be so proud of. And, you know, I often did interviews with people about the media space and they would say to me, 
have you reached a glass ceiling? And is there a glass ceiling for women in the media? And I would look at them and I would say, if there is, I haven't felt it. Because Prime Media definitely was a trendsetter and set the agenda in so many instances. And it continued for years. It continued for years after that. After Rena Brumberg left as CEO, Terry Falkbane came on as CEO. And most of her management team, I don't have the exact numbers at hand, but they were women. Mm. So it was the the station manager of Cape Talk and KFM, the station manager of 702, the marketing manager, the head of human capital, the head of finance, the, the head of news. It was women. I was very proud that uh, my editorial team as well was very female strong, yes. as was our reporting team. It, it was definitely something to be proud of. We can't say the same for the political arena in South Africa. Not enough women, I don't think. And you must be quite frustrated knowing that the election is coming up in May and you're not covering it on a daily basis because this is the sort of election you'd, I know you'd really get your teeth into. Well, not really. And i tell you why I'm not really frustrated because the work that we're doing with this new media house means that we're able to weigh in on wonderful election stories and opportunities and who should be doing what and covering what. So I still am able to whet my appetite and to and to satisfy that news and election hunger that I have. But I love elections. I can't lie. Elections are a thing for me. Um, and and I, I've always loved covering elections. In fact, I've got this odd habit of watching foreign elections, you know, yes. um, from faraway countries that mean absolutely nothing to me. But I really do love it. You must love Brexit then, because that has a farcical nature to it, no, but also I, a deeply so serious confused. side. Yes, yeah, so am I. I'm so, conf- I'm so confused by Brexit. I, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I don't think they know really, but I know that last night the nose have it and they had it eight times that John Burko had to say, and the nose have it. And he said it eight <laughs> times. And they didn't even, they got close with one, one vote, I think, to, to passing it. But the rest, so they said they've got eight choices and they said no to all of them. What's next? I don't know. You must follow Mr. Trump quite, um, quite closely as well, because some of your tweets are dripping with vitriol. Oh, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the strength when it comes to Donald Trump. Yes, I do. I follow Donald Trump extremely closely. And I find myself often yelling at either my um, cell phone, my iPad, my my television set when I'm reading about or listening to, to Donald Trump. I find him absolutely quite infuriating. Did you see what he said this morning about the fake media's in overdrive and yes, yes. everything was in caps and he was just blustering everywhere? Uh, I, I can't. No, John Cleese was talking about it. He rambles. He he starts off talking about something and then goes off at several tangents. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not based on fact. There's thousands and thousands of instances of him not telling the truth and even worse, actually telling blatant lies. But he's fascinating. You have to be fascinated by him. The other thing that you are always fascinated by, and I don't know if I should be saying this, that we can we can edit it out, Katie. You were <laughs> you were fascinated by plane crashes. I always remember oh, that. It did was you your, remember that? It was I your passion. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, you used to freak out. You used to you used to do a little dance in your office when a plane went down. It was very disturbing. No, it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. And I, I don't know what it is. I'm actually I think I need to I need to look into this in terms of is there a something that it's called, but I'm extremely fascinated by plane crashes. If if you follow my Twitter feed, there are every time a plane goes down or there's an update, especially now on the Boeing story, it's certainly something I'll either comment on or tweet about or retweet. 
But yes, I do. I have this absolute fascination with planes going down, the search involved in planes. I mean, MH370 is just something that consumes me still, despite the fact that there is no evidence as to where this plane is and what has happened to it and where it went down. Um, yes, it's something that really, really interests me. Mm. Um, a little bit of a morbid type of curiosity around it. I oh, really? Lie. A little bit. <laughs> so, so watching footage. Do you remember that plane that went into the Hudson River in the in New York? Yes, I've seen the I've seen the air crash investigation, National Geographic's air crash investigation, which I watch habitually as well. And that was, was amazing because there was actually one self piece of cell phone footage, only of a few seconds of it gliding onto onto the Hudson. What a story! That yes, was. what a story that was. It was quite something. An air crash investigation is just, yeah, it's uh, it's it's habitual watching for me when it's when it's uh, when it's on and when there's a new series. Okay, it's been lovely talking to you. Please tell us how we get hold of you, and if anyone needs your expertise in a consultancy manner, then please let us know how to how to email you or whatever. Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Katie Catapodis. Right. And shall I spell that? Is my surname? Yeah, I, I would do. Long yeah. and complicated. Yes, it is. So it's K A T with a Y, K A T Y. Yeah. And then surname K A T O P O D I S. And if anybody wants to email me, it's Katie, K A T Y, at Nala Media, N A L A Media, dot C O dot Z A. Brilliant. Katie, it's been an absolute pleasure reminiscing and talking about the future of media, and hopefully we can do stuff together in the future. That's Katie Catapodis, founder of Nulla Media. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.